Mike is away. As a matter of fact, I haven't seen Pastor Mike in probably three or four years uh, uh, because he always has me come in when he's not here. Uh, and uh, and there, there might be some meaning in that that I'm trying to work over in my own heart. Uh, but, uh, but I'm very blessed to be here. As a matter of fact, the reason I'm, I'm with you, I was with you on Wednesday. I'm with you this morning and then tonight and then next Wednesday. And the reason I'm here so much this time is because it's a mistake. Um, uh, Pastor Mike sent me an email and said, uh, could, you, could you come and uh, minister? I'm going to go on vacation. Could you come and minister? And he gave me this, this slot of dates. And, uh, and so I contacted him a few weeks later and I said, yes, I can do that. And he wanted me to choose one. I took all of them. And uh, I thought he wanted me to be here for the whole time. And, uh, and then when I found out he only wanted me for, for one, I tried to back out. And he said, no, it, it's too late. You're, you're fully committed. So, so it's, just, it's just me uh, here for, uh, for this week with you. But it's a great pleasure to be here because while we're here, we get to be with uh, not only this church family, but also our our, our biological family who are sitting here on the, the front row. Can you guys give a big hand clap for our family that's here with us this morning? Amen. Thank you for being here, everybody. And of course, I have my lovely wife, Loretta, who is with me uh, this morning. And uh, we will be celebrating uh, next month. We'll be celebrating 30 years as a, as a, as a couple, as a husband and wife. And... Uh, that is a great blessing. We're looking forward to taking a, a few weeks off uh, and uh, celebrating uh, that 30 years together. It's a wonderful story to hear how she actually hunted me down and captured me uh, back 30 years ago. I ran, but I knew that I couldn't get away from her, so I just, I just surrendered. And uh, I'm very glad that I, very glad that I did. Yeah, she has a different story altogether, but I've got the pulpit, which means she doesn't get to tell her story. Uh, I think she might say something this evening, uh, a little bit about that. I'm very blessed to be with uh, Brother Mark. I always enjoy uh, being with him. He and I kind of climb the same mountain from different ways. I climb it from a Hebrew side, and he climbs it from the wrong side. And uh, so uh, this, <laughs> this morning he came up to me and he showed me his cufflinks, which were Greek coins. And, uh, and what can I say? Uh, I... Uh, I don't have any Hebrew coins uh, for jewelry or anything like that. But I am glad to see we're singing in Hebrew this morning. Hallelujah. So uh, did, you, did you notice that? Did you think you were singing in Hebrew when you sang that? I did. You did, right. Okay, very good. What was that? The Egyptian halal. The Egyptian halal. Okay, right. Little, I'm not quite sure exactly what he means by that, but you can... Oh, that. Yes, of course. Okay, right. right. At any rate, yes, we're singing Hebrew uh, this morning, and I'm blessed to have been able to do that. Aren't you glad for the gifts of the Holy Ghost? You know, uh, you know whenever the Spirit of God moves like He did this morning, um, just in case you're wondering, th these things happen uh, just as the Spirit wills. It's not something that's planned. It just happens as the Spirit of God wants it to happen. Uh, as I said before, these are gifts of the Spirit that just come forward. And, and we believe that when people are prayed for, when the Spirit of God moves like that, that they receive healing into their body, and that healing manifests itself in Jesus' name. And for all, for His glory and for the expansion of His, uh, of his kingdom. Uh, and uh, in, in, along these lines, I have been, something's just been continuing to roll over on the inside of me this morning. I have my, my text here that I want, to, I want to get into, but I think it's more important that I just, I just follow what the Holy Ghost wants me to do as opposed to something I have written down. Are you in agreement with that? So uh, I, is there anybody here this morning, you've been having some issues with your, with your neck. You've been having some pains in your neck. Is, that you? is anybody else? You've been having some issues in your neck. Come on up here. Let me pray for you. You've been having some pains in your neck. I don't know if it's muscular or if it has to do with any 
any bone issue. But, uh, but there's definitely a healing for people with, uh, with pains in their, in their neck. Tonight we're going to be dealing with the healing school. And I have no idea what's going to happen uh, tonight. So uh, just, uh, we'll just show up and see what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is concerned about everybody's neck. Isn't that cool? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Is there anybody else? Excellent. So what we want to do is we want to yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost and however he wants to, to minister and bring life to our brothers and sisters, we want to participate uh, with that. Uh, I don't feel, when the Holy Ghost moves, I don't feel that I need to try to lay something on top of that. Once he's done what he's done, then I'm, I'm happily to uh, step back and to finish um, whatever I would have planned. So let's just yield ourselves to the Lord at this moment. Okay, stretch your hands towards our brothers and sisters. Let's just, let's just pray for them and let's believe God for healing to manifest itself in their body. Loretta, you want to pray with me, sweetheart? Amen. In the name of Jesus, I command you, my sister, you be free from this pain that has plagued your body. I command every muscle in Jesus' name be made whole in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I command you, my sister, you be free from this pain that plagues your body in the name of Jesus. And suffer no more from it in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brother. And I command you, sir, be healed in your body in the name of Jesus. I command every muscle, every bone, every tendon, every sinew in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. And walk free from this pain that has plagued you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I command you, my sister, you be free from the pain that's plagued your body. In the name of Jesus, and I command you to loose her and let her go and don't plague her in her neck any longer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I command you, my brother, you be free right now from the pain that's plagued your body in the name of Jesus. I command you, neck, be made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you right now for your healing manifesting itself in my sister's body. I command you in Jesus' name, be made whole and be free from that which has plagued you. Suffer no longer from this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I command all pain, go in Jesus' name and leave my sister be in the name of Jesus. Be free from that which has plagued your body in the name of Jesus and suffer from it no longer in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I command you, my brother, you be free in Jesus' name from the pain that's been in your neck in the name of Jesus. Be free of it and suffer from it no more in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name, be free of it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for the power of the name of Jesus. And I command this pain in Jesus' name to be gone. I command muscles relax in the name of Jesus. I command tension go in Jesus' name. I command you, my sister, you be free from that which has plagued you in the name of Jesus. Be free of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shelly, I command you in the name of Jesus, you be free from the pain that has plagued your neck in Jesus' name. 
I command everything, come into alignment now in Jesus' name. I rebuke you, pain. Be gone. Be gone from her in Jesus' name. And that which is wrong, be made right now. Shall you be free from that which has plagued your body in the name of Jesus. And suffer from it no more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I command you, my sister, you be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name and be free from this which has plagued your body. In the name of Jesus, go from her in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. You've been up here a few times. You're getting overhauled this morning, aren't you? In the name of Jesus, I command you, my sister, you be free from that which has plagued your body. Walk free of this in the name of Jesus and suffer no more from it in Jesus' name. Everything I command you, line up and be made whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father God, right now for the power of your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that by the stripes of Jesus you purchased our healing. I command you, my sister, in Jesus' name, be made whole. And I command you, pain, go be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. Hi there. In Jesus' name, I command you pain, leave my sister. In the name of Jesus, I command all pain, go. I command that which is wrong, be made right, right now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for delivering and for setting my sister free. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for my brother, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, for the stripes of Jesus that purchased his healing. In Jesus' name, I command you, my brother, be healed in your body. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, for by your stripes he is healed. In Jesus' name, be healed in the name of Jesus. I command pain, go. I command that which is causing this pain, go. In Jesus' name, be free. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Can somebody just lift your hands and thank the Lord? Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the healing power we have in the name of Jesus. Oh, say thank God for the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you something. If there's something the church needs more of today, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is able to move through us and work through us and do the things He wants to do in our life. How many have tried on your own and realized you don't have it? You can't make it happen. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to make this thing work for us. You know, there's a lot of places nowadays that believe erroneously, but they believe they know more than God does. Maybe you've met a few of these people. They believe they know more than God does because what they do is they say, you know what, we're going to have a church service. However, we're not really happy with the fact the Holy Spirit might just take over. So we're just going to kind of ban him from our Sunday morning services. Although we believe he's true on paper, we're not going to let him just do whatever he wants to do. It's time to let the Holy Spirit back out of that box. Actually, as a matter of fact, you can't keep him in a box. God is going to have his way. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
God's going to have his way. And whether we deceive ourselves into believing he's not is another issue, but God is going to have his way. The Bible tells us this. Jesus said this himself. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And there's a lot of division trying to enter into the body of Christ today to stop us, to slow us down, and to divide us one from another. Do you know that there are between 30 and 40,000 different Christian denominations? Did you hear what I just said? 30 to 40,000 different Christian denominations. And why is that? Because division comes in basically because of theological issues, but there's a, a even more of obvious difference that's coming about today, and that is that the wonderful triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is now being broken apart in the very church that's meant be, to be the expression of who he is in the earth. Let me, let me clarify what I mean by that. As I just mentioned, there are churches today that are trying to tell us that we, we don't have time for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, sister in the back. We don't have time for the Holy Ghost because what we've got to do is we've got to get to the Word. Somebody talk to me now. We need to get to the Word. And if we're not careful, what happens is when the Holy Spirit starts to move in our mind, we say, okay, how much longer is this going to go on so we can get to the Word? Am, 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 I, am, I, am I making sense to you this morning? And so what happens almost is we've almost forgotten the fact the Holy Ghost knows more than we do. And the Holy Ghost is not going to contradict the Word. He actually is complete and totally in agreement with the Word. And if He wants to take over a service and do nothing but flow, that's okay. That's completely okay. But there are entire movements, and you know about these, entire movements in the body of Christ today that actually are trying to basically say, you know what, we believe in the Holy Spirit. However, His presence is inconvenient. And after all, He might run people off. He might offend some people. So we're going to put him on Sunday night, or we're going to put him on a special meeting over here, but we're not going to quite let him do what he wants to do in the midst of a service. That needs to end really quickly, uh, because if it doesn't, then how on the earth are we truly going to be salt and light, and how are we truly going to be able to manifest the kingdom of God in the earth and how is the world ever going to have their expectation met when the scripture says that the earth and the creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? If we, begin, if we keep ourselves in a place of denying the power and the presence of the Lord in our midst, we'll never be able to fully manifest who God is in the earth. And that's his plan. His plan has always been to use man. He wants to pour himself through these vessels of clay and, and manifest his glory to the earth. And he does that by the Holy Spirit. So we have this one group over here who's trying to, to make sure that the Holy Spirit doesn't quite have full reign because he might offend people. I read my Bible differently. I think I read in my Bible, God knows what's best for people more than we know what's best for people. How many of us would ever go to a church that would say this? You know, Jesus He's inconvenient, so we're not going to give him too much rain in our life at church. Nobody would go to that church. Well, you know, the, whole, the Heavenly Father, he's just a little bit too, you know, cloud and smoke kind of thing. So we're just going to kind of put him on Sunday night. Most people would say, you know, I don't, really think, I don't really think I want to go to that church. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit 
it's okay. It's okay to, 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 to kind of bring him down a little bit or to kind of relegate him. I want to suggest this to you. The reason why we're having less power in our churches and less manifestation of the sons of God and, and less change is because we have tried to relegate the Holy Spirit into what we believe is best. And what we need to do is back up and let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost. And let him do whatever he wants to do. And, 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 and by allowing that, we realize he is smarter than we are. I remember when God was teaching me this years ago. Because I, I would go to church and I had my, I had, I just prayed up. I had my, my, my text in front of me, all, my, all my, uh, my notes. And I was ready to go and ready to go. And the Holy Ghost would start moving. And that dumb thought would get in my head. I want, oh, look at the time. I'm not going to have time to finish my sermon. Who cares? I mean, really? Who cares? And so I'm, I'm watching the clock. I'm like, okay, I'm now, I've got my 45-minute sermon. Okay, I can crunch it down to 30 minutes. Yep, I can do that. Uh, okay, uh, now I've got 15 minutes. Okay, I can squeeze. I can cut out those. And I'm trying to figure out how I can still get in my message within the limited amount of time the Holy Spirit has so graciously left me to pontificate. And boy, I'd say the Holy Ghost grabbed a hold of me and just pulled the slack out of my neck one day. And I'm sitting there, and, I, and someone gets up in tongues, interpretation, prophecy, edification, exhortation was coming forth. And I look at my notes, and everything on my, in my notes was being, was being talked about. The tongues interpretation dealt with the first part of my sermon. The prophecy dealt with the second part. The exhortation took care of the third part. And when it was all finished, the Holy Ghost was like, and? Do you have something to add to this? And I was like, it's all been preached. Everything has been preached. My message has been completely preached. And we got a church like in 35 minutes. It was like, it was like what? Now that's a way to build a church. Have a church service 35 minutes and get the message out there. And, and, and it's just wonderful. Someone said hallelujah. I heard that Hebrew back there. Okay. But, and this, and then, and, and I got up after the service and I said, you know what? Um, and I took my notes and I showed them to the congregation. I said, everything is on my notes has already been talked about this morning. And we dismissed service. And a few weeks go by and the move of the Spirit happened again and God did the same thing. And then again another time and a few months later again. Basically, the Lord was telling me, listen, I can say anything I want to say and I can get out what you've got on your paper if I want to. Your job is to back up and let me be God because that's who I am. And so we've just learned how just to yield ourselves to the voice of the Holy Spirit and let him do whatever he wants to do in our midst. So we have, we have this group among us that tries to, to push the Holy Spirit to one side. And then we have this, this next group of people who now come along, and maybe some of you have heard this before, and now they're telling us not to listen to the words of Jesus. Can anybody say the word heresy? Yeah, it's a nice word. Mark and I were talking about heresy uh, before service, uplifting conversation that we were having. No, it, actually, it's true. One thing that I do uh, on a regular basis is I will spend, I mean, the week before we came out, I, I probably spent about 10 hours studying heresy, um, modern heresy. And uh, you say, why would you do that? Well, don't you want your doctor to know what diseases are in your body that he might be able to help you out if you go see somebody like that? Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of things that are coming about that you need to make sure that you are aware of and that you know about these things. But there are people now telling us not to listen to the words of Jesus. And maybe you've heard some of this. So one group is saying, get rid of the Holy Ghost over here. And the next group of people is saying, you know what? 
we got this, this new teaching we're doing here, and this is, only, this is good, but the only way this works is if you consider Jesus to be just an Old Testament guy and you can't use his words anymore. When someone says that, your job is to run screaming like a girl as fast as you can away from that person. When someone tells you you cannot take the words of Jesus and use them for their, your life, your response should be that I don't take any words you say either. You are completely disqualified and you are truly a heretic. But the point is that we have happening in the body of Christ. We have people trying to take the wonderful thing we call the Godhead and pull it apart. And then we sit back and say, why are things happening in our country the way, the way they are? Why is, the world, why is things happening in the world the way they are? Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what country we're in, the body of the Messiah is the answer for the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that one clap over there and that half a clap over here. <laughs> and it's true because the Spirit of God is wanting to pour out who He is through His body. We are meant to be, the Bible says that our lives are living epistles that are read and known of all men. So what is our epistle saying? What is our life preaching? You see, God is meant to manifest himself through the life of the body. The only way that works is if we, if we allow God to be God in his triunity, allow God to manifest himself among us and do as he wishes. Turn to the book of Revelation, please. I'm going to open up and just read a couple of verses here. Because of the way the Holy Spirit moved this morning, I'm not, I'm not going to try to labor over an entire, uh, entire sermon. I don't believe that is what he would want me to do this morning. I'm going to give you what is on my heart. However, there's a couple of things here that I believe he is saying. Revelation chapter 3. I want us to read verse 19 through 22. The scripture says this, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Everybody say rebuke. Don't let anybody tell you that repentance and rebuking is not involved in the body of Christ today. It is for the body of Christ today. Therefore, be zealous and, and do what? Repent. That's right. And stand, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also have overcome and sat with my father upon his throne. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can you say churches? This is, a, this is what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. When the first times I read this verse of Scripture, I mean, we use this verse in particularly to get people born again. People, we say, the Lord stands at the door and He knocks at the door of your heart. And if you open up your heart, He will come into your heart and you will be born again. And we use it along those lines. But how many know this was not written to lost people? This is not written to lost people. It's written to the church. And when I first read this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, uh, why is Jesus knocking on the door of the church trying to get in? Behold, I stand outside the door and knock. If any man opens the door, then I'll come in and we'll have fellowship one with another. There's nothing wrong saying we use this verse of Scripture to get people saved because at the end of the day, a lot of people don't understand what salvation is in the first place. How many know that standing in a garage does not make you a car? Okay. Going to church does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is a relationship, not a religion. 
So a relationship with God is a thing that allows us to have eternal life with Him, not a religion that deceives us just by going to church and punching a time card, do I get there? We get to heaven by a relationship with Almighty God. We don't get to heaven by any other means. It's by Jesus and Jesus Christ alone do we actually make our way into the heavenlies with Father. But he, Jesus stands outside the door and he knocks. So the Lord is looking for entrance into the life of his people, which tells us that Jesus is not like a John Wayne type Jesus, where he just goes up, the door's locked, and he steps back and he says, whoa, 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 uh, the, this is my church, and then just kicks the door in. He doesn't do that. Obviously, he, the, door's not, the door's locked, so what does he do? He knocks. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to open the door and actually allow him to come in. God is always going to work with his people. He's not going to work against you. He's not going to force you to do something. We talk about the sovereignty of God, and that way most people mean this in a very religious way, basically meaning in a very kind of a Calvinistic way that God just does whatever God wants to do. If God wants to do this and he does, if he wants to do that, he'll do it. No, obviously he wants to get in the church. That's why he's knocking. If he's going to get in anyway, he's just going to knock the door down or he's going to say, you know what? <laughs> I actually have the keys of this building and I'll just go in because it's my church. He doesn't do that. It is his church. But because we are his people, he waits for cooperation from us before he enters in and does anything. We are responsible for allowing God to work through us or stopping the Lord from working. People say, well, you know, if, 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 I, if, this, if I go to church and these wonderful things happen, that's great. God wanted to do that. It very much has to do with people working together with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we can, you can come to church with an expectation. You can draw on the Holy Ghost or you can resist the Holy Spirit. I remember this one uh, uh, years ago. I was in this particular church. I think I've told this story here before, but I was, I was in this church and I was praying for people and people came lined up in the front and I was praying for people. And as I was praying, everybody that was like on this side got instantly healed. It was one of those services where it was just amazing. Everybody I touched got in, It was instantaneous uh, healings. It was beautiful. And some people, were, were, some people were slaying the spirit. Others got instantly healed. And then on, everybody on this side, nobody got healed. It was really weird. And it was, it was almost like I would pray, and I, and I feel like a, my hand would just kind of bounce back off these people. And that was odd. And this, that whole crowd went, and the next crowd came up, and the same thing happened again. And I, then this, after the second time, I stepped back. I called a third group up, and I watched the people behind them, and the people on this side were fully engaged. I mean, they were stretching their hands out. They were praying. You can see they were in, they were in, in, in tune. The group on this side, sorry, peeps. The, the group on this side, they were, you know, okay, now, now it's a good time to go to the bathroom because the Holy Ghost is moving. Let's just, re, let's just think about this differently. If Jesus was up here in front ministering to people, think anybody would be going to the bathroom? What about looking at your clock? Oh, when is Jesus going to get finished so we can get to Pastor Mike? Everybody would say, Pastor Mike, don't you dare get up because Jesus is there, right? At the end of the day, who, who cares what Pastor Mike or Pastor Scott has to say if Jesus is up here? The same thing would be true, should be true with the Holy Spirit. Who cares if the Holy Ghost is moving? That's the most important thing. And so the people on this side of the congregation were not even involved with what was going on here, and it was affecting the atmosphere of the entire place. God works with what we give him to work with. He doesn't just come in and just make things happen for us. Our whole salvation experience depends on us participating with the Lord. 
What does the Bible tell us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10? It tells us that we have to believe in our heart and we have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead. Then we are saved. So we have to become, we have to involve ourselves with our even salvation experience. We have to participate with the Lord even in our salvation experience. Go ahead, let's go ahead and read that verse of scripture. Go to Romans chapter 10. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 together. Verse 9 says this, For if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For the heart man believes unto righteousness, righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice that you have to believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. Everybody wants a Savior. A few people want a Lord. We need to make sure that we are in a place where not only are we having a Savior, but we're having a Lord. And we are the ones who participate. We participate with and in our own salvation. Not that we've done anything to save ourselves, but we have to get involved. The Lord says, I want you to not only believe, but I want you to confess. I want you to do something with your mouth to enact that salvation process in your life. So we are entirely leaning on the Holy Ghost. But then again, the Holy Spirit is also drawing to get us actually involved in what he is doing in our life. And in that we find the great paradox, that great, that great tension. Is this God moving or is this me doing this? It's both. We give God what we have so that God meets us with what he has. So that's why the Bible tells us this. In the book of James, it says, it says, draw near unto God. And what will he do? He'll draw near unto you. So we draw near unto God and then he draws near unto us. So the question becomes then, who is the one who moves first? We move first. Draw near to God and then he draws near to you. So you and I have the ability to start this whole ball of supernatural activity. He, we move first and then he responds to us. Give. And what happens? It shall be given. Who gives first? We do. So we're the ones who initiate the prosperity in our life by we give first, then God reciprocates by his giving. Forgive and you shall what? So as we forgive others and the Lord's forgiveness comes back to us, this is the pattern and the cycle of the way God works with us. He responds to us. Now, he's already done everything he's going to do as far as the plan of salvation, but now he's put into place a mechanism whereby we work with him. He doesn't just do it all for us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our helper, not our doer. In other words, if I'm going to move this pulpit and I said, Mark, would you come up here and help me do this? If he comes up here, he's not expecting me to back off and to watch him struggle with it by himself. Of course, Mark couldn't do it by himself, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> see, Greek people have this philosophy, and I'll just... <laughs> But, but if I said, would you come up here and help me do this? He's fully anticipating that I'm going to help. I'm going to be with him in this whole thing. And together we're going to move this pool. But the Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm, I don't want, I just want it to be all God and not me. Well, there's no such thing. God always looks for you to work with him. Don't back off. Find out how you're supposed to interact with the Father to bring about God's result. Loretta and I, we've been all over the world. God has used us in a lot of countries. And when he dropped a country on my heart, the thing is, I had to go there to make it work. Now, God drops on our heart, Sweden. 
I had to go to Sweden for, for what God wanted me to do, it had, for it to happen. I had to go there. I had to buy an airplane ticket. That's expensive. So I needed some money to get an airplane ticket to go to Sweden to do what God had promised was going to happen when we got there. And then when we got there, the Lord then begins to teach us supernaturally how to speak languages. Now, you know what? When you, start, when, you, when you step out, I didn't know how to speak perfect Swedish when I first started, but I had to give God something to work with. I remember the first time when we, when we moved to Sweden, I didn't have a worship team. And I didn't speak Swedish, much less did I sing Swedish, all right? <laughs> and I don't sing well in the first place. So what do you do? You give God what you've got, and he takes a little bit and makes something big out of it. So I found a, a, a CD, or actually, it was, I think it was a cassette player, and I had a Swedish worship cassette I found, and I learned how to sing two songs. And one of them was, hallelujah. See, uh, the Swedes know how to sing Hebrew, too. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows those Hebrew words. And then I learned a, Hebrew, a Swedish song. It was just a few words. But I would lead worship having no idea what I was singing. But I knew it was right because it, was, it, you know, it came from a church and I did not know a few words. And the Holy Ghost would come on me to start speaking, and I would take a step out, and I had to give God something to work with. I remember the first, when the first church services I tried to speak Swedish in, I started, I started, I just did the announcements in it, and as I was doing the announcements, people in the congregation started going like this. And I thought they were getting the Holy Ghost, you know, whoo, whoo, yeah, listen, look at the pastor go. And it wasn't that they were saying, stop. That's what they were doing. They were telling me to stop. Because I was just cussing a blue streak. That's what I was doing. I, just was, I was just cussing a blue streak. <laughs> I mean, that'll, that'll build a church right there. Hey, let's go hear the cussing pastor. I'll tell you, he'll, he'll just cuss a blue streak for you this morning. <laughs> you think you have fun in your church? You got to come listen to our guy. I was getting up there and said, okay. Do we have any blankety-blank visitors today? I mean, I was just, just, and people go, people, one guy was sitting on the second row going like this. <laughs> I called people names and said, oh, so-and-so, he's a really good, and I named something. They're like, no, he's not. My point is this. The Lord is knocking at our door. He's wanting to do something not only in our, in our nation, but through us. You know, and at the end of the day, the governments of men are not the answer for the world. The only thing that's the answer for the world is the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. And the only way we are animated in this world is by allowing his word to have license in us, but yielding ourselves to the person of God who is actively at work in the world today, which is the Holy Spirit. If you allow me to say it this way, the Heavenly Father, Father had ministered and and. And, and dealt with man from the beginning of time all the way until the advent of Jesus. And then Jesus was here for 33 years, and as God in the flesh, he, he worked and he moved among us. And then he left, and he then sent the Holy Spirit to work from us at the beginning of the church age all the way until now. This is the Holy Spirit's moment to manifest God among us. And if there's someone we need to yield ourselves to, it is certainly to him. I'm going to read one last verse of Scripture, and then we're going to, we're going to close up here. So if you would, please, let's, let's go look here at um, 
Let's go to, to um, Mark's gospel, chapter number 16. Mark 16, verse 19 through 20. This is a part of the Great Commission. I think most of us will, will know this. The scripture says, So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. And they, this is the disciples, and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Can everybody say with them? With them, confirming his word with signs following. So the Lord worked with the disciples. Look at the person beside you and say, he's going to work with you. He's not, going to, he's not just going to independently work apart from you. He's going to work with you. And how did he work with them? As they did his word, he came along and brought confirmation to his word by causing manifestations to happen in the earth. We've got to have the word, but we also have to remember this, that God is not going to do things independent and by himself. He never has. He has always worked with man. I'm going to close with this illustration. I believe I've mentioned it here before in the past, but I'm just going to mention it again. When God appeared to Moses, he talks to Moses and he says, Moses, I've got a job for you. And this job is for you to set the children of Israel free. Now, that's a great, wonderful thing. But, you know, if, if you were God or if I was God, and I think our wives and our husbands are glad that we're not because there would be a lot of charred bodies lying around if we were. Um, but, you know, think about it. When, when God wants something done, he always has to go to people to get it done. You know, when he, when he wanted Abraham and Sarah to have a baby, you know, he could have easily just looked at Sarah and went, kind of went like, and, and she, that's it, done. But instead, he works 25 years to get Abraham in a place that they can actually have the child. But God wanted this a long time ago. Does he really need man? Just do what he wants to do. Moses the same way. He wants Moses to lead the children of Israel free, lead them out of the land of, of, of Egypt into the promised land. But instead, he works 40 years with Moses to get him ready to do what God all by himself could have done in a millisecond. I mean, if you're God and you want the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, you just kind of go, and they're there. They're done. It's all over with, and they already have houses. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. But, but God doesn't do that. Finally, he, instead, he finds a guy and says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And he lays out a plan, and then, he, and then he's patient. Can you say patient? He's patient. Aren't you glad that God is patient? How many of you are glad for the, the God of a second chance? How about the God of a fifth chance? How many of you are in double digits? How about the God of a thousand chances? I mean, he, I am so glad that God is patient with us. Long-suffering. Aren't you glad he's not short-suffering? He's long-suffering. He gets Moses, and he says, okay, Moses, here's the deal, man. This is what we're going to do. Moses is like, What? Yes, in Hebrew, ma. Ma, what? Yep, this is what we're going to do. And Moses says, I can't even talk. I'm a stutterer. He had, a, he had an impediment in his speech. He couldn't speak very well. Actually, he could. He just gave that as an excuse. So he, have you ever, has anyone ever given God an excuse? How many of God doesn't buy excuses? You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't go very far with him. The Bible says he chooses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. God's going to use you to do something great for him. But he's not going to just come along and just do it for you. He's expecting you involved in his kingdom. So he tells Moses, he says, okay, Moses, this is what we're going to do. 
And this is what I want you to do. And Moses says, how am I going to do this? He came up with his excuses. How am I going to do it? And finally, God just looks at him and says, in Exodus chapter 4, he looks at Moses and he says, okay, what's in your hand, Moses? He looks down and, it, and it's a stick. It's, a, it's his rod, it's his staff. And he said, well, it's a, it's a rod. And God said, okay, let's use that. I mean, really, you're going to defeat the, the superpower of the world with a stick. You can defeat the superpower of the world as long as you've got God on your side with a stick or anything else. It doesn't matter if Moses would have looked down, if God said, what's in your hand, Moses? And Moses would have looked down and said, it's a chicken. God would, God would have said, then let's use the chicken, Moses. <laughs> of course, that would have made the Ten Commandments movie look really different, wouldn't it? Can you, can you imagine Charlton Heston walking with a chicken under his arm? <laughs> and how would the scripture read? Moses, thou shalt stretch forth the chicken over the waters. So, so Charlton Heston lifts up the chicken. And the chicken, he's kind of flapping all around here. And use your hand and part the waters. How about this one? Smite the rock. Don't, he said, don't, or he says, don't. Uh, so Moses, Moses walking towards the rock, and you can hear the chicken going, because he, he knows what's coming. Takes the chicken, and there's just, just feathers fly everywhere. It's, he's got this chicken. What's in your hand, Moses? It's a squirrel, Father. Let's use the squirrel. It really doesn't matter. God said, okay, you, you got all these excuses. Okay, then what have you got? I got a stick. Okay, I'm going to show you that with a piece of dead wood, I can do what I want to do besides a living human. Just give me what's in your hand. What have you got? You might not have much. You might have a shout. You might have a dance. You might have uh, some money you want to give. You might have a stick. But the point is this, that God is knocking at the door of his body, the door of his church, looking for access into our life to do what he wants to do. God wants to be involved in our life to bring about the results. But guess what? Just like you can open that door, let him in, you can close it and keep him out. You can close him and keep him out. I think there's something wrong if we go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and the Holy Spirit never moves. Now, we might have a good teaching of the Word. We might have a good worship set. We might have a good children's ministry and all that. And that's all fine and wonderful. But, you know, if, if, if we go for a long time and we don't see the Spirit of God moving, we need to pull back and say, okay, let's, let's re-examine this thing. You know, every Monday morning at our church, every Monday morning, we have what we call a, a debrief. We debrief the entire, the entire service. And if we go a few weeks without seeing God do something special, someone gets healed, someone gets saved, someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, something, something is happening, then we say, you know what, we need to do something. Something's not right. You know, if you keep putting coins into, a, into a, a, a Coke machine and Coke never comes out, don't you stop and say, this thing's out of order. Something's not working here. This thing is not, you, you find, try to find a way to get some, something to come out. We raise our expectation, we lift ourselves, and we plan out how God wants to use us. If I was to have you, something take, if I was to have you take away something today, I want you to take away this. I want, I want you to take away that, that the Lord is expecting you to open the door into your life and let him in. If you listen, you'll hear it. If you listen, you'll feel, you'll feel him 
trying to get into your life. Let him in. Secondly, when you let him in, you have to make him not just Savior, but you have to make him Lord of your life. And what a Lord does is a Lord tells you how to live. He doesn't ask you your opinion. And unfortunately, in our, in our American society, we've got so much into our rights mentality that we forget that we are subjects in a kingdom and we have a king. And his king is Jesus, this king is Jesus, and we live in a kingdom. And so as he is Lord and Savior, or he's neither one, he governs our life. The Bible says that we bring forth fruit of our repentance. In other words, we follow after those things. So we, listen, we let him into our life, and we make him Lord of our life, and we let him be also then Savior. And lastly, we then cooperate with him. We work with God to bring about the things he wants to have in our life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes, please, as we're about to close. Father, we thank you so much today for your word and for your time, for your plans. We thank you, Father, for the moving of your spirit and what you're wanting to do in our lives. We rejoice before you, Father, and we thank you, Lord, for manifesting and demonstrating your presence among us today, Father God, by, by the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, by words of knowledge, Father God. We agree, Father, that every person prayed for was truly healed in their bodies and they walked free of that pain, Father. We seek you right now, Father God, and we pray, Father God, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray, Lord God, the seed that's been sown this morning, Father, that revelation bursts forth, that people understand, Father God, what's in their hand. They understand what they should be doing, working together with you. They understand that they've seen you as Savior, but they've never seen you as Lord in their life, and they need to get that thing straight. And they, they understand, Father, they've been hearing you knock and feeling you try to get in, but they've kept the door closed, or they only have opened it a little bit just for you to stick your head in and see what their life is like, but they've never opened it up fully and allowed you to live there with them. Grant us that wisdom and revelation, Lord, that your word declares if we acknowledge you in all of our ways, you'll direct our path. So, Father, we acknowledge you today, and we thank you that you're leading us, guiding us, and directing us. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I believe that he is the Son of God, that he died for my sins. But I've never confessed him as Lord of my life, and even though I think I might have, I don't really know what would happen to me right now if I were to perish, if I was to, to not make it home. I can't tell you 100% that I know that heaven would be my home. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer after me. I'm going to ask the whole congregation to pray this prayer with me. So if you would just lift up your voice and pray this after me. Say, Father, today, Lord, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I believe that he died on the cross to save me from my sin. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I accept him into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. Receive me, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that for the very, very first time, I encourage you to reach out to, to Brother Mark or reach out, um, sorry, what's your name again? Brother, Brother Chip over here. Let someone in the congregation know that you prayed that prayer. You can talk to my wife or I. Let us know that you prayed that prayer. We'll get some information and materials into your hands because this is a great adventure. You've taken the first step. God bless you all. I'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Amen. God bless you. Amen.